back there. You're not asleep yet. That's good. <laughs> um, it was interesting that my father-in-law mentioned uh, change, not only change in pastors here, but change in the way that he is seen. Uh, it used to be, uh, I'm the father of Debbie Samworth. <laughs> uh, and, or, you know, it used to be the other way around, didn't it? You said it used to be that uh, Debbie's known as the pastor's daughter. And now he's known as Debbie Kramlick's father. And uh, I heard some news this morning as I was driving here um, that was very interesting news. I was a bit shocked. I didn't drive off the road, but I was a bit shocked. Willow Valley is no longer there. Is that correct? I had no idea until this morning. Debbie told me that Willow I was thinking, I've got to take her there because she used to work there. And I thought that would be a great place to reminisce and, and take her back there. I can't even do that now, uh, which is depressing. So I have to come up with a different plan. <clears throat> which sometimes for fathers is difficult, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but I want to I talk this morning because I'm going I'm to talk about... Um, let me see if I can get this to work. Just, just move it along. There we go. Good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, I want to talk about... Living out our faith in relationships. Now, that's going to, that's going to bring a, a flood of ideas to your mind as to what does that look like and, and what's happening. And, and I'm going to go in a specific direction. And the specific direction has to do with, with change. Okay? Um, and so we have relationships that, uh, that we live in. Uh, one is marriage. I'm married. Okay? It's a good thing. Um, uh, that is a relationship that, that I have to deal with daily. It's there. Okay? And we have different relationships that we deal with. We go to work. So we've got we to deal with relationships there, for better or for worse. Some are hard, some are easy, but we've got to deal with them. Okay? How do we do that? Um, we have to deal with uh, relationships in family. Okay? It's not uh, allowed uh, for you to ask my kids how I deal with relationship in family this week. <laughs> no, nah, it's okay. You can go ahead. They'll probably be fairly nice, but uh, uh, you'll, you'll notice real life happening in our family. Okay? And we have, of course, a relationship that we have with God himself. Uh, and we deal with these all in, in certain manners and with faith. Uh, but I want to I hone in on the aspect of change. Now, I have a, a text here from somebody you may know. Okay? Uh, Michael Jackson wrote a song called I'm, I'm Starting with the Man in the Mirror. And the whole focus of the song, of course, is change. It says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. Uh, I want to make the world a better place. If I want to make the world a better place, you've got to look at yourself and make a change. Now, he was talking about social change in the world in that song. But I think he got something right. What he got right is, if change is going to take place... It has to really start right here, doesn't it? Okay. Change should start with us. Because if we don't change, how is that going to change out there? And as believers, we often talk about, you know, God is molding me, God is changing me, God is moving me forward. We use different terms to talk about the aspect that, you know, we want to be more like Him. Okay? More like Jesus. And that'll... that'll uh, It'll come out in different ways. But I think everyone would say, if we're, if we're believers, we should be moving towards being more like him. Well, that's change. 
isn't it? It's changed, but how does that change take place? What, what, what happens with that change? Do you think about change? Often in my life, I just kind of go on with life. I hope the change happens. I hope it's out there somewhere. I hope that you know I'm holy somewhere down the road because right now I look at myself and I think, ah, oh, there's some problems there. Okay? So we use this terminology, but do we really think about change? I mean, personal change that happens here so that I move towards being more like Jesus? We ought to, but we often leave it to the side, don't we? It's my personal experience. I assume it's your personal experience, too. Maybe that's a, a big assumption. I'm not sure. Okay? But Michael had it right. It has to start here. Okay? Um, you may have heard this statement before. Jesus loves us just the way we are. <laughs> but I read one time, someone added to that, but he loves us too much to keep us that way. You see, his motivation, his agenda in our lives is also personal change. That we become more like him. It's not just our ideas. He wants that to take place as well. And we want to change. Here's a verse that talks about, um, is going to help us define where that change takes place. Can you, can you see that? Am I, I need to move a little bit more probably so that uh, people can, can see. Um, where does that change take place? We, we talk about change, and obviously that change should be behavioral in a certain degree. It should come out in the things that we do, the things that we say. Okay? But really the change that we're talking about, becoming more like Christ, is a change of heart. I read a quote once from uh, Ted Tripp where he says, a change of behavior that does not stem from a change of heart is not commendable, but condemnable. A change of behavior that does not stem from a change of heart is not commendable, it's condemnable. Why? Because you're just cleaning the outside of the pot. And the reality is the inside is what's supposed to be cleaned, and then the outside will be okay in what happens. So the heart is what we're talking about. Now, I can't, I can't go into a vast uh, exegesis about what the heart is, and uh, sometimes I call it uh, a bit like a jello theology. <laughs> it's something you try to grab onto, and, and, and it just slips through your fingers because <laughs> there's no one verse that says, this is what it means uh, when it's talking about your heart. But I want to try to give a, a, a short or a brief summary of what that can look like. And the, the word uses the term heart quite often. And if I was to, if I was to just kind of clarify it and say it, it's, it, it's really the, the central control system of what goes on in your life, if I can narrow it down. Okay? But what does that look like? Well, in this verse, Jesus says, but Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their hearts, uh, took a child and stood him by his side. Knowing what he was thinking in their hearts. So the heart, according to Scripture, has to do with our thinking to a certain degree. Not just our thinking, but our thinking's involved in the heart aspect. Here's another one. Therefore, you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one takes your joy away from you. Now we have a different aspect that's connected to the heart. It's it's the emotions that we have. It's not just our thinking. It's not just what we think. It's actually how we feel. Our emotions are attached to our heart, that central control system that's within us. And here's, here's one more. Okay? 
For each tree is known by its own fruit, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from briar bush, from a briar bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that from which fills his heart. Here we have the aspect that uh, uh, what's in the heart will come out in some way or the other. Okay? Whatever's in there will eventually get out. Okay? That means decisions are made, that means actions are done, and part of the heart experience, the heart that the Bible talks about, has to also to do with our decisions and our actions, our, our will in that sense. So you have, you have your mind, you have your emotions, and your will that are all attached to this idea of heart. That's where God is asking and wanting change to take place. And if in there change takes place, then in what we do, it will be seen. Okay? There's a, an interview that uh, uh, Lisa Marie Presley did with Oprah Winfrey. Okay? And in that interview, she said something that I thought was amazing. Okay? Now, Lisa, everybody know, I don't even know if you know this, Lisa was at one time married to Michael Jackson. Okay? Not for long, <laughs> so we're not going to get into that. But uh, uh, she wasn't married for long, but they were married for a while. Okay? And she's the daughter of Elvis, the king. And this is what she said. The one thing that correlates with Michael and my father on this subject is that they had the luxury of creating whatever reality around them they wanted to. They could have the kind of people around them that would go with their program or not go with their program. If they weren't, they could be disposed of. I thought that was brilliant. These people that are so popular, these people that are so wealthy, have so many people around you, they could just pick and choose who's, who's there and who's not. If you, don't, if you don't like them, they're gone. And away you go. Yeah. Now, Oprah said this, which is also very interesting. Oprah said, this is the reality of being a god in your own world. This is the re- reality of being a god in your own world. That's how she summarized it. And I'd like to tell you a story. Okay? A story about Johnny. This is not Johnny. It's just a picture I put up there. <laughs> but I'd like to tell you a story about Johnny. Johnny uh, was a kindergartner. He's in kindergarten with the rest of his class. And, and one of the girls was going to have a birthday party. And so the mom of that girl called up the kindergarten and said, hey, can we do a party kind of in kindergarten with all, his, all the friends and stuff? And, and uh, the kindergarten said, yes, that's okay. Uh, and she came in and she set everything up, set a table with balloons and candy on the plate and everything. And uh, while the kids were out playing, and then everyone came in, and they all sat down. Okay? Now, it wasn't Johnny's birthday. Okay? It was a girl's birthday. And as Johnny was sitting there, he was realizing something. He was realizing that, wait a sec, that girl has more candy on her plate than I do. And then he realized, well, the back of her chair has more balloons on it than the back of my chair, because I only have one, and she has five. And you see, the, the whole attention was focused on this birthday girl. And Johnny didn't like that. So you know what he did? He started making noises. He's kind of sitting there, folding his arms. Hmm. Hmm. And the noises just kept getting louder. Hmm. 
Until all of a sudden, the focus started turning on to Johnny, which is exactly what he wanted. He thought, it's not fair that she gets all the attention and I'm not getting any attention. So he just kept making noises, kept making... Letting people know, I am frustrated with this situation and it, it isn't right and you guys should be focusing on me. Now, he probably didn't think that, but that's exactly what happened. And one of the mothers went up to Johnny and said something very profound. She said, Johnny, this is not your party. That was it. It's simply, it's not your party. So you have, you have Lisa Marie Presley, who was married to Michael Jackson and the father of, of Elvis Presley, who says, you know, these guys have something in common. They can create their own world. Put there who they want to have there, get rid of whoever they don't want to. Oprah says, that's kind of like being your own God to a certain degree. Johnny feels like the attention should be on him and not on the birthday girl. And really, it should be on the birthday girl. Kind of reminds me of something, doesn't it? Doesn't it remind you of something? (laughs) From the beginning of Scripture? For God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Isn't there that temptation within us to want to be in control of everything? We want to be our own gods to a certain degree. Don't we? I, I mean... We're believers, so we don't, you know, we don't do it very outrightly, but isn't it there? Don't I want to be the center of attention sometimes? Sometimes am I, am I frustrated when, you know what, someone else is getting the attention? Sometimes that can happen, can it? Here's the problem. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's what the Bible says about our heart, our central control system of how we deal with life. We got a problem in there. Why do we need to change? Because that's a problem. That's a problem in there. Now, I said we want to live out our, our faith in relationships. That's kind of the context. And you might think, okay, he's talking about the heart and he's doing all that stuff, but, but, but what does that have to do with relationships and living out my faith in relationships? Well, let's, let's get to that. Okay? Here's uh, in, in my courses that I've been taking, and I can't remember who actually wrote the book or, or uh, uh, yeah, yeah, who wrote these quotes, but these are some quotes that I took from some of the courses that I've been taking. Relationships are that area in life which God works out our sanctification. Sanctification is another word for change. Okay. The first step which God would like to change us is to begin a relationship with him. In other words, if he's not there, if he's not coming in and living with us, then that type of change that we're talking about can't happen. So that's the first part. Our relationships are primarily for God's use in working out his change in us and in others. These are some pretty heavy statements, I think, aren't they? I mean, obviously, we've got to get God in there to change, but you know, God uses relationships, and, and the relationships that I have are primarily for my growth. We don't look at relationships that way, do we? We look at relationships as, what can I get from relationships? What, you know, where can I be the focus? <laughs> Sometimes, don't we? 
It's hard to say that, but he's saying that relationships are actually God's tool for our change. Nobody wants to think about that. Because that, that could be difficult. Okay? Let me take you through some examples. Okay? Here's a verse in Scripture. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not notice the log in your own eye? Okay? Here's how relationships can help mold us. Okay? <laughs> We're always concerned about the problems that other people are exhibiting in their life. Ah, that person's a sinner. <laughs> I can see that right away. Do you realize I can... I, I could point out your sin easily. I just can't see mine. It's often true that we see other people's sin quicker than we see our own, if we see our own at all. Other people are there to help us see that which we can't see. Because if we can't see it, how are we going to deal with it? And God puts people in our lives to help us see problem is, I don't like when people point out that i got a log in my eye. I just don't like it. Here's another verse. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Okay? There's another aspect of just God using relationships in our lives for our change. Okay? It's not pleasant at times. It's not. Sometimes it's taking off something that shouldn't be there. And that's never pleasant. Here's another one. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed. Okay, there's another change word. A biblical change will be used. To be formed to the image of his son, be like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay? God causes all things in my life to work together so that I can be more like him, conformed into his image. That's what we want. And he uses all things to make that happen. Now, all things would be nicer if they were good things. They were pleasant things. Now, those are the things we want to think about. But he even uses situations... Okay? like your shoulder separating or breaking or something like that. <laughs> he uses those things to conform us. Ouch! That sometimes hurts. And when I think about the difficult, difficulties that I've had in life, the, the real hard times, and there's, there's been a little bit more lately than, than in my entire life, but when I look back at those times... I realize that probably nine times out of ten, it has to do with some kind of relationship. It's not just a hard thing. Nine times out of ten, it's a hard thing because there's a hard relationship or there's a hard person there. And I find in my life that, okay, maybe somehow my circumstances change so that person is no longer there. Someone else comes along. <laughs> Because God is faithful to do his work that he started in me. 
and he, want to keep, he wants to keep going. Okay? And sometimes relationships are just difficult, and we're around difficult people. Right? Here's a, uh, I've had a picture with that one as well. Just being shaped. Being shaped by people that God sends in our life that aren't pleasant, aren't easy to get along with. God uses those relationships. And it's good in the end, because it's always good what he's doing, but in the midst of it, it's not always good. The problem that we have with our deceitful heart is that my automatic response to difficulty is, I've got to get out of this situation. Whatever happens, I've got to get out. I've got to change that situation, I've got to leave that situation, I've got, got to run from it. Okay? Because it hurts, it's hard, it's no, it's no fun. And actually, if God uses those situations to mold me into his image and change me to be more like him, whew, I shouldn't be running. Because if I run away from that, I'm actually running away from what God wants to do in my life. And nobody would say that they want to do that, but we do it. And all of a sudden, we're away. We're not getting changed. God had in mind to change us. And we say, Lord, thank you, we're out of this situation. <laughs> and the reality is, we've missed what God was going to do. And he'll have to do it again later. <laughs> because our heart is deceitful, in that sense. It reminds me of a relationship, you know, in, in scriptures, the end of Genesis, you know, with Joseph. This is what he said. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You know this story, okay? He gets sold into slavery from his brothers. How good of a relationship was that? That was difficult. Now, we don't have a, a full picture in, in Scripture of how he got to this process here. Maybe it took some time. Maybe at some point he's like, my brother, can't believe those. Okay, like Johnny, <laughs> making a little more noise. Maybe he was there right away. Maybe he saw something that I often don't see. But he got to this point. Okay, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he could see the fingerprints of God in that situation that was absolutely horrible. I, I couldn't imagine my brother selling me. And I'm just gone from my family. I couldn't imagine that. That would be difficult. I couldn't imagine being, being you know, forced into... Pretty much hard labor, at least at the beginning. Couldn't imagine that. But God sees down the road. God sees what he wants to do. And because he sees, he starts doing things here to mold you and me into the image of his son. And often, that has to do with people. Often. Oh, that's a, just a picture of Joseph. That's a real snapshot, by the way. <laughs> I want to play a song for you. You may have heard it, uh, but I'd like to just uh, have the song from Laura's story plan. Do you guys have that up? Okay, excellent. Let it fly. We pray for blessings, we 
Sky. 
living out our faith in relationships. Faith says when it's difficult, God, I wonder what you're trying to change in me. I wonder what you're trying to mold. I wonder what you're trying to hack off. Where, where is it and what is it that you're trying to do in my heart? Rather than saying, wow, this is so hard. I just need to do something to get out of here. That's the faith in relationships that I'm talking about. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for being faithful. Faithful in our lives to, to do what you've, you, you know, to continue what you've started. You, you came in to do a work in us, not just to, to, to save us and get us to heaven, but so that we can live with you now and that we can grow now and we can change now and be molded or conformed or transformed. All of those are talking about the same thing. Moving from where I'm at to being more like you. And, and, and we all want that. It's just we don't want the way in which to get there. Help, help us to want the way. Help us to see the way. Help us to recognize the deceitfulness of a heart and, and how you want to get in there and, and, and just change things, move things on so that we can be more like you. Help us to ask those questions when difficult times come. I wonder what God's doing in me so that we can see it more clearly. Thanks. Amen.